You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. There's biological sex, and then there is gender identity. Part of me wants to ask why you care so much, uh, because right, it's really right. not that big of a deal. Oh, yeah. Can I answer right. that? Um, I, I, I'd, love to, I'd love to answer that question. I, I care about the truth. So, so basic truth matters. I want to live in a society where people okay, care about fine. the truth and we're grounded in truth. Right. Um, I care about children. And this, these insane ideas about too. gender are being, are being foist on kids. Um, and that, that bothers me quite a bit. I care about the women who are having their opportunities stolen from them. I care quite a bit, yeah. Welcome back to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is Garrett Ashley Mullet, and that is Matt Walsh that I just played for you on Dr. Phil's show. I didn't realize Dr. Phil is still on. I don't really watch live TV or scheduled TV or your basic whatever it is. What What is the opposite of on-demand anymore? I don't even remember. But... In any event, Dr. Phil is still on the air, apparently, and Matt Walsh was invited to come on his program and talk with him, and also some trans activist, gender theory proponent type folks, and that was Matt Walsh explaining why he cares so much. Why does he care so much about this whole question of gender identity and sexuality and sexual orientation, et cetera, et cetera. Great answer from Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh actually is the inspiration that I certainly had in view when I got into blogging. When I very first started blogging, I remember looking at Matt Walsh's articles and seeing those crop up from time to time. He wasn't with Daily Wire just yet. He joined the Daily Wire a little ways into our venture it on the rocks blog but i remember looking at the way that he tackled issues and the way that he wrote about things on his blog and thinking that right there that right there tells me there is an audience for the kind of commentary that we want to provide it is necessary that we provide that audience with good content like Matt Walsh is. Matt Walsh shouldn't be doing it on his own. I'm glad he isn't doing it on his own. I'm glad he's with the Daily Wire folks. But we're going to do it too. And kudos to him. Like several years in, how many years later, he's still going strong. He's still at it. And I enjoy Matt Walsh. I, I think he's a little dry sometimes. He's a little sarcastic for my taste. Sometimes. But by and large, I really, really appreciate the courage and the clarity with which he speaks to the issues. And I think we're all the better for folks like Matt Walsh coming back again and again and again and again, having that mental toughness and that resilience and that tenacity and daring to care so much. Whoever said that there was something wrong with caring so much. Why would that shock anybody? Why would that surprise anybody? I love that he answers the question. There had been some clapping and some cheering like, yeah, like that's a great question. Why do you care so much? And then he's like, oh, I have an answer actually because I care about children and women. Oh, okay. Well, I, yeah, actually that's a good answer. 
Why didn't we think of that? Well, the reason we didn't think of that is because we're all so busy obsessing over our fear of the repercussions. If you declare that the emperor has no clothes, the emperor's snazzy new outfit is really just his birthday suit, you might get canceled, and we don't want to get canceled. And that's all we can think about. And then once we buy into the lie, we're trying to race to the bottom and see who can outdo all the rest. And then somebody comes along and dares to speak some damn sense to the situation. Thank you, Matt Walsh. God bless you, sir. Good work. A note on last episode before we move on in this one to talking about the vote that happened last night and some other recent happenings. Just a quick recap on current events. A note on what the Parable of the Talents teaches us about inequality. That was my podcast episode yesterday. If you didn't listen, if you didn't tune in, go back and check that out. Basically, the, ter- the, the, the Parable of the Talents the, the parable of the talents is about free market capitalism. I mean, essentially. Not quite 100%, but, but pretty much. Three servants are entrusted with various amounts of money. Not the same amount of money. There's inequity baked into the equation on the front end. Two of those servants are capable, and we're told that on the front end. They're given certain amounts of money based on ability. The master knows their ability, and they're not all equally capable of wisely investing five talents. So one guy is invested with five talents, another guy's invested with two talents, another guy's invested with one talent. And every time I've ever heard this parable or seen a picture representation of it, it's always like, a handful of coins, right? Like a talent is a coin. And I even said in yesterday's episode, I said, well, you know, think dollars. But I got to be careful there because it's like, well, wait, no, it's not a dollar, right? Like it's not like one servant was given $5 and another servant was given $2 and another servant was given $1. No, how much is a talent actually? So I looked it up and... Of course, there could be some variation here, but a talent is actually a unit of weight, similar to ounces or pounds. A talent is not an ounce of gold or silver. It's not a pound of gold or silver. A talent is roughly, or was in the ancient world, roughly 75 pounds, 75 pounds. 16 ounces would be roughly $29,100, if you can believe it. One pound of gold would be roughly $29,100. Now do 75 pounds of gold. 75 times 29,100 gives you... 2.182 million dollars. That's one talent of gold. 2.182 million dollars. 
So even in the parable of the talents, you're talking about the wicked servant who buried the talent in the field. He buried $2 million, over $2 million in the field rather than invest it, rather than even put it in the bank. You think to yourself, Man, if, I mean, if this is dollars, like how much interest is a dollar going to get if you put it in the bank? No. How much interest is $2 million going to get? That's closer to the mark. Meanwhile, the guy who is given two talents, just quick math here, multiply 2.182, times two, you get 4.365. So four and over a third of another million dollars. And multiply that by two and a half, you get just under $11 million. So one servant is invested with two million. Another is invested with four million. Another is invested with almost $11 million in the parable of the talent. We're not talking about low-level, stable scrapers who clean up after the horses. We're talking about servants who are smart guys, except the servant who buries the talent in the field. We're talking about some big money. And we're talking about a master who's, if he's got that kind of money to just experiment with, just play around with, hey, I'm going to give $2 million to you, $4 million to you, $11 million to you. We're talking, about, we're talking about a very, very, very wealthy master. And of course, the parable of the talents is really talking about God. And God owns everything. You can't get richer than that. So just a quick follow-up on that. But I want to talk before I go back to my work week which could be interrupted any hour with labor and delivery. Andrew is expected any time now. You can pray for us in that regard. But in the absence of labor and delivery right this second, I'm scheduled to go back to work. So I'm going to go back to work. I'm going to get back to it. And before I do, because it's 514, I don't really go back get back into the swing of things until about 6 a.m. That's when my shift starts, kind of. There's some flex there, but, but that's kind of when it starts. I want to talk about Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema voting with Republicans last night to shoot down the overhaul of our election system. Two Democrats demonstrate a great deal of courage, a great deal of courage. They've no doubt received death threats. They've certainly been harassed and harangued. They've been treated disrespectfully, but they've stuck to their guns, and I'm glad that they've stuck to their guns. So now Democrats don't get to change the rules of the ball game in an election year to cover up for the fact that their commander-in-chief is an absolute train wreck, an absolute disaster. They don't get to change the rules to the baseball game with inflation going sky high because they're spending money by the trillions. 
watering down all of our investments, all of our savings, all of our earning power. They don't get to change the rules of the game to keep themselves in office in an election year when their policies are destroying this country. Plain and simple. And Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema take their lives in their hands with regards to radical leftists by doing this. And I, quite frankly, hope they come over to the Republican side of the aisle so long as they're going to leave some of their crazy Democrat platform positions behind them when they leave the Democrat Party, I say, please, come on over. The water's fine. It's nice over here. I think if we would reject them just because they've been Democrats all this time, uh, it would be a very unwise decision. But really, truly... And this goes back to something I've said here in recent weeks about cancel culture and we need to not have a conservative cancel culture that destroys people for their least little mistake. If Ted Cruz makes a mistake and says the wrong thing and does the wrong thing and he's showed a lapse of good judgment, lapse of good taste, I think we should invite him to apologize and we should restore him as quickly as possible. And if we've got Democrats who, better than anybody, you would think, once their eyes are opened to what it is that their party is doing, what it is that their political philosophy is doing to this country, would repent and know what it is that they're repenting of. They know better than anybody, probably, how bad it is, actually, behind the scenes. If they're willing to repent and come over to the side of justice and truth <laughs> and fairness, really, truly, not fake fairness that is a dog whistle for getting what you want, but real fairness, equality of opportunity rather than equality of outcome, well, then I think we should welcome them, and I think we should deal kindly with them and we're more likely to get more of them and to win that way. I think we're more likely to win that way. If we can encourage them to come over to our side of things, to see our perspective, see our point of view, particularly when Democrat policies are doing so much damage. Like if they were Democrats because they really, really genuinely do care for people, but they were just very badly mistaken about what will help people, then it's kind of like that clip of Matt Walsh at the top of the episode. Hey, why do you care so much? Well, I'm sorry. I, I guess I just care about children and women. I care about children not being taught to cut off parts of their body so they can pretend to be the other gender than what they were actually born. I guess I just care about women having opportunities stolen from them by men in drag. Oh, here, we thought we were the people who care about people, but it turns out you care about people. We didn't expect that. Some of the folks who pursue these progressive leftist 
ways of relating and reorganizing society. They do really, really think that they're doing good by it. They're wrong, but they really do think that they're doing good by it. And for those folks who really do think that they're doing good by it, if we can be patient and calm and kind with them, maybe, just maybe, we can get them to hear us out. Maybe, just maybe, we can share something with them that breaks the spell of the left. And if they can open their eyes, if they can open their ears, if they can hear us out, if they can see what it is for what it is, I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic. There should be no construct of gender, just sex. You're either male or female. Right. And someone feeling in a mental, emotional way that they don't identify with the sex that they have been biologically created as and assigned at birth based on their genitalia, if they don't feel that way, that there's no construct that describes that, experiences that. Well, that's got nothing to do with the reality. So you can feel however you want. I mean, I could sit here and say that I feel like a tomato plant, but that doesn't mean that I actually am those things. So your, your self-perception, you can have whatever self-perception you want, but you can't expect me to take part in that self-perception or to take part in this kind of charade, this theatrical production. You don't get your own pronouns, just like you don't get your own prepositions or your own, your own adjectives. You know, it's like if I were to tell you, my adjectives are handsome and brilliant. And no matter, whenever you're talking about me, you have to describe me as handsome and brilliant because that's how I identify. It makes no sense. You don't get your own pronouns. These are, that's, that's, that's grammar, that's language. So you think it's a delusion. Someone is self-delusional. Yeah, I think it's, it's delusion. It could be a mental illness. It could be a, it's, it's a lot of different things. With, with children, wow. you know, there, there's also just a basic confusion that all kids have. Like, that's why when you hear, when you, when you hear someone, a parent say, oh, my four-year-old uh, son came, came to me and said that uh, I'm a girl now, and so that's what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise him as a girl. No, you're, you're a four-year-old. I have four kids. When a four-year-old boy comes to you and says, oh, I'm a girl, here's a good follow-up question. What is a girl? Ask him what he means by that. What do you mean by girl? And when you, when you ask him that, here's what he'll tell you. He will tell you what he really means is that he, he wants to do some of the things that girls do, like play with mm-hmm. the dollhouse or, or, you know, he likes the color pink. That's fine. Play with the dollhouse. But you're still a boy. But you're still a boy. <laughs> and what you can't hear in that clip, but you do, you, you, you can't hear the look on the face of the transgendered persons who are also invited on to be part of this discussion with Dr. Phil. You can't hear the look on their face. You can hear, wow, you know, from one who's probably identifying as non-binary. There's a beard and there's some long hair and some makeup. And is this a boy? Is it a girl? That's the whole point. They're trying to blend it all together and say that they're non-binary gender is a social construct. They're just living that out and living color. They're just a walking, talking rejection of gender and sexuality. Wow. Okay. Like, (laughs) like they've never heard that. Like they've never even considered the possibility that they could be mentally ill and they could be self-deluded and that they could be trying to force all of society to join in with them in this delusion. The, 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 The thing that... Matt Walsh is suggesting 
it's just like shocking to them. Like, oh, you know, I can't believe you said that. Well, we can't believe that you think you have the right to tell us what pronouns we can and cannot use. That's what we think. We think that's ridiculous. We think that's absurd. And I love the, I love the point that Matt Walsh is making here, right? Like, where does it end? Do you, <clears throat> do you get your own adjectives too? Do you, do you get to control how people describe you if you're not transgender, if you're not LGBTQ? See, I think that's, that's the really disturbing thing here is that by affirming this, we get more of it. You will get what you celebrate in society. And when society celebrates monogamy, when society celebrates people being faithful, being honest, being hardworking, when you celebrate people doing the honorable thing and considering others before they consider themselves, you will get more of that. If you celebrate people being selfish pigs and self-indulgent, you will get more of that. Now, I want you to consider with me, just for a moment, some other news in conjunction with this conversation that Matt Walsh is having with transgendered people and allies of transgendered people and LGBTQ folks on the Dr. Phil show. In conjunction with Russia potentially invading Ukraine. Whose country is this? Part of Ukraine, is it Ukraine's or is it Russia's? Who, whose country is this? And Russia comes in and they self-identify as taking over your country. <laughs> we self-identify as world conquerors. Now everybody has to bow. <clears throat> Russia is not on board with this whole LGBTQ business and there was this really eye-opening compare and contrast video uh, edited video that I watched here I think it was sometime last year early last year maybe late last two years uh, two years ago something like that anyway sometime in the past two years this video of interspersed clips from a Russian military recruitment and an American military recruitment. I think it was the U.S. Army on the one hand with as intersectional a female recruit as they could possibly uh, present. On the one hand with cartoons and, you know, hey, like, be all that you can be. You can be anything you want. And our requirements, like we're going to ease our requirements, our physical fitness requirements, our mental toughness requirements, our mental health requirements. Unless you reject what we're putting out there, what we're trying to evolve society about with gender and sexuality. We don't believe that there is any such thing as mental health. Or we're going to identify and, and profess and claim and insists that mental health is affirming progressivism. Anything that rejects progressivism is mentally ill. But we, we reject we reject the standard definition of mental health. In fact, we're going to purge our military of 
folks who would have a religious objection, religious exemption request where the vaccine mandate is concerned. On the flip side, you've got Russia presenting a man in peak physical condition, getting strong, physically strong, not just identifying as strong, but physically, actually, objectively strong, tough, ruthless, and just like when the rubber meets the road, whatever you call a dude in a dress, when he hits the water against girls and he is biologically, hormonally, musculoskeletally, bigger, stronger, faster than the girls, only one of those people coming out of the pool is going to be a winner. And it turns out, whatever you call him, it's the dude. And whatever you want to say about Russia, if their focus is on strength and our focus is on tearing down strength, making war on strength, well, it's going to go one way and not in our favor. And then you lose, and maybe this would be all for the best, really, really, truly. Then you lose that luxury of being so self-indulgent that you've got playing pretend to hoist on all of society. It's a sign of our decadence that we are shocked to hear Matt Walsh say, No, you don't get your own pronouns. Come on. You're mentally ill. You're deluded. You have no right to force all of the rest of us into affirming your delusion. No. It's a sign of our decadence that that is surprising. Well, no, that's that's common sense. That should be obvious to all of us. We are in a bad way of being. We are in a bad state, if that is surprising. Unfortunately, there's lots of indications that we're in a bad state of being. President Biden is not there. The lights are on, but nobody's home. He is a figurehead. The real power resides in those who point him in the right direction as they see it. Putin is going to make a play for the Ukraine. China is going to make play for Taiwan. We're getting caught with our pants down. We don't even know whether we're boys or we're girls. How in the world are we going to win a potential war with Russia and China? The simple answer is that we won't unless we get our minds right. I don't relish the thought of a war with Russia and China and Iran But even scarier to me is the idea that lunatics would continue calling the shots in our country. I'm more concerned about lunatics taking over our little world here than I am power-hungry tyrants over there trying to take over the world. They can't be scarier than this. Not for a minute anyway. But I got to run. That's all for this episode. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time.
God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com.